Welcome to Tim Friedman's 70s Rock Conversations. I'm your host, Tim Friedman. Frankie's here. Frank Ost, how are you? I'm great. It's good to be here. You're a resident rock and roll expert, aren't you? <laughs> hey, by the way, by the end of the month, we're going to have our big third anniversary show that airs on the 27th of the month. That's right, yes. Getting ready. going to kind of go over some topics that we've had in the past three years. Nine almost will be by then. It'll be nine full seasons that sure, we aired. Sure, absolutely. And so we're going to look back at some of our favorite segments and play a lot of music, too. It'll be a lot of fun, won't it? It will be. And Can't season wait. 10 is going to start right after that. And then on Christmas Day, mark this on your calendar. If you want to be listening to this podcast that day, on the 25th of December, it's all Christmas. All Christmas music, not, you know, Andre Castellan stuff. <laughs> we could play something like that. But we might play something from George Winston. Absolutely. Or whatever our favorites, yes. Don't be surprised if you hear something like that. Part of our big Christmas show airing on Christmas Day this year. That would be fun. So looking at November the 6th, Frankie, in history, 1965, promoter Bill Graham opened the Fillmore West in San Fran. Mm, Wow. As West Coast answer to the Fillmore East in New York City. It proved to be the home of some of the top Bay Area acts like Jefferson Airplane, Grateful Dead, Big Brother and Holding Company, many, many others. I'm sure Frampton played there, Journey. Yeah, and we've talked about the the Fillmore in the past, the great lineups that he used to put together. Just odd, odd people, you know. Yeah. B.B. King opening for Quicksilver Messenger Service, that yeah. kind of thing. Bill Graham was an interesting dude. He played... Uh, he played Lucky Luciano in the film Bugsy. Oh, I didn't 1991. realize that. 1967, The Monkees, Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones <laughs> Limited was released. You know why they called it uh, Limited? Because two of the guys had the same uh, Pisces, or it was like Jones or uh, okay. Capricorn and Mickey and Peter had shared the same um, they call it horoscopic. Hor- 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was released Pleasant Valley Sunday. That was one of your... Um, oh, absolutely your, great tune. Yeah, I love that song. Star Collector, Love is Only Sleeping. That should have been the release, but I guess they had a little mix-up with the record uh, printing and you know how they press records back then. Sure. So instead they didn't release it. It could have been a number one song. That's how good that is. Very odd, yes. Cuddly Toy and Words, that's the B-side mm-hmm. to Pleasant Valley Sunday. Boy, Mickey Dolan's head has a great voice. Yeah, and... Uh, so, the, Davey. The, yeah, good good stuff. Um, Michael. Exactly. They were so good. <laughs> yeah, backed by great songwriters, producers, backing band, and, and they kind of took over. Mike and, and Peter were both accomplished guitarists. Frankie. Right, right. And even songwriters. Songwriters, yeah. absolutely. 1979, Paul Simon opened his tour of the UK by buying a drink for every single person in the audience. I'm glad oh. it wasn't a, well, okay. a concert for Central Park. <laughs> <laughs> the generous act of his cost him a thousand pounds. That's about oh. two thousand dollars. Yeah, that's big nothing for somebody like that <laughs> yes even, even in 1979 <laughs> exactly like, I, well i wasn't getting an allowance anymore but in the 70s <laughs> maybe a buck a week even the kids on the brady bunch got like a dollar yeah exactly but that could buy you a ton of stuff and if you don't spend any money you got two bucks now sitting in your pocket Ooh, i like that hugh mcdowell the cellist in elo during their big hit making days passed away on this date five years ago he had a long illness he passed away at only 65 years wow, old young man Birthdays, John Philip Sousa. The March King. <laughs> uh, he was born in 1854. Conductor Ray Conniff, speaking of the devil, yes. 1916. And Glenn Fry, 1948, died way too young. Yeah. Soon to be hits. 
1982, November 6th. Where mm-hmm. were you? I just started my professional career. November 6th, 1982. 82. That would have been just after I got married. Wow. I mean, literally. Frankie we were, and Martha, we were in the, the newlyweds. feeling out period yeah. there. Yeah. Number one for the week, Up Where We Belong. I do remember that song, and yeah, I, uh, sure. I kind of like Officer and a Gentleman. Good, good movie. Jennifer Warren's Joe Cocker right, sang that number right. one hit. You've got another thing coming by Judas Priest that's yet still a favorite of classic rock stations oh, everywhere. Oh, it sure is. It uh, started out number 90 and was only peaking at number 67. I was going to say, that wasn't a, really a top 40 a big song. hit for them. Yeah. Theme from Dynasty. Remember the big show in the 80s? Oh, yeah. Uh, hit only number 52. But it started out on the Hot 100 at 89. I don't remember the theme from Dynasty. I'm, That's going to be I'm, a guilty I'm pleasure of mine. out on that. Guilty pleasure very soon. <laughs> Good. So you'll hear it. I know there's something going on. That's Frida of ABBA. Oh. You know that song? solo made, stuff. Yeah. Huh? That song made it all the way up to number 13. Okay. Started out at 88. Down Under, that's a number one hit for four weeks for the men at now work. that one I know. <laughs> Their second straight number one after Who Can It Be Now. Uh, hit the Hot 100 at number 79. A lot of good ones. Traveling in a fight On a hippie trail head full of zombies I met a strange lady she made me nervous She took me in and gave me breakfast And she said Do you come from a land down under A women go and men wonder Can't you hear, can't you hear the thunder You better run, you better take cover I'm 
Collins, not one of my favorites of his, but uh, I do like the Supremes version. Right, absolutely. That was a top 10 hit for Phil. Started out at 77. And number 72, Hand to Hold On To, that's John Cougar. Number 19 yeah, is where it would be. that's right, yeah. His follow-up to the number one, Jack and Diane, his last single to be released under the name John Cougar. He was starting to get more and more cachet. Highest debuting hit on the Hot 100 that week, This Girl Is Mine. Yes. By Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson. Absolutely. Number one, number two hit for three weeks. Yes. yes. Not, not one of my favorites. Me but either. Yeah. Frankie, last weekend... Did you watch the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremonies? Um, I didn't watch them, but, you know, I knew all about them, but I don't think I get whatever station they're on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it took place in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center in New York. You know, it actually aired for the first time that night as a streaming offer on Disney+. Plus. We're going to have our Two Should Get In category returning. Right. Because they're going to come out with the nominees for the next class of 2024, probably after the first of the year, and vote on it sometime in the spring. Sure. And then have the induction ceremonies. I don't know where they're going to be. The powers that be wanted it to be in Nashville, London, New York, L.A., kind of a rotating thing. Great. I think Cleveland should have it every two years or every three I at agree. the most. Totally. they make it a whole week of it. Yeah. So I'm going to start. Mine is Mariah Carey. We've mentioned these bands and these artists before, but they bear mentioning again. Mariah sure. Carey should be in. I'm surprised she's not in or even been nominated, I don't think. I, so don't, I don't believe so, no. She has dozens of number one hits. Some of them lasted forever. One Sweet Day with the Boys to Men, like 25 weeks in a row. <laughs> I think, I think uh, the Hot 100 finally stopped doing it after that because why? Right, it's, right. She's just amazing. And I always thought, well, somebody else wrote her stuff. No, nope. she wrote or co-wrote almost all of her hits. Yeah, she checks all the boxes, that's for sure. Given to me, 
From the get-go, Frankie, Vision of Love and Love Takes Time. And these songs were co-written by her and My All. And someday everything she did turned to gold. And it was just an amazing run for her and still is. Absolutely. Haven't seen her in concert. A little bit past my my peak, you know. Yeah. 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 When I was 30, she was 20. And it's kind of like Swifties. I'm not going to go see a Taylor Swift concert. Oh, God, no. No. But other people will. And Mariah doesn't do a lot of touring. Absolutely. And there's, you know, that's just our personal taste yeah. as far as we're not going to drag ourselves out to one of those shows. But absolutely, definitely deserves the game. No, no question about that. Now, I could see her doing a residency in Vegas or something if she ever wanted to pull up stakes and move from New York to out there for a, a month sure, or a year or something Sure, absolutely. Like yeah, yeah. But why isn't she in the Rock Hall, Frankie? Don't know. Um, but then the Rock Hall... Works in strange and mysterious own, ways. Their own don't they? thing going on. <laughs> you got a good one for us too, don't you? Yeah, I'm going to try with uh, Tears for Fears. Perhaps the reason Tears for Fears has not been considered for the fall, the hall is their admittedly perplexing history. We first met them with their debut album, 1983's The Hurting. They were a standard rock band with four English guys. Rowan Orzabel, Kurt Smith on guitar and bass, respectively, and sharing lead singing duties. And Manny Elias on drums and Ian Stanley on keyboards rounded out the group. Their second album, Songs for the Big Chairs, is their best and certainly one of the best albums of the 80s. The album has sold somewhere around 10 million copies worldwide, spurred many of us to go back and give the first album a listen. Well, you couldn't get away from that band in 1985, just like Phil Collins. No, no. They were all over the place and all over, they were just, you know, made for VH1 and MTV. Yeah. yeah. 
We have a whole list of two should get in artists. <laughs> we'll have two more for you next week, won't yeah, we? Absolutely. Guilty Pleasures time, Frankie. Yeah. Guilty Pleasures. Yeah. This song, I remember, is kind of humming to myself, singing to myself on my way home from St. Clements as a first grader. <laughs> they didn't play it a lot on Wixie. I don't know where I heard it. Maybe on TV or something. But boy. Yeah, they, you know, I do remember hearing it on the radio. I don't know what's, what, where it was, but yeah. It's Sandpiper's Guantanamera. Mm-hmm. Now, later on, it played it all the time in the radio station. Sure. It hit number nine in the fall of 66, which makes sense. That was when I was trudging up and down to St. Clements, which sure, wasn't yeah. that long of a walk. It's just up the street. Absolutely. And across a couple of streets, though. The L.A.-based adult contemporary group. It was from their debut album that year. And really sort of a, sort of a new A&M Records label. Just gotcha. Getting going, they had Sergio Mendez and some other acts like that. They also scored a top 20 hit with Come Saturday Morning. That's right. I remember that from yourself. the Sterile Cuckoo. Yes. <laughs> and I'll Remember You, which is a really cool song. That was released in 1967. It's a song all about the beautiful land of Hawaii. Oh, I'll okay. Remember You. And it was first recorded by Don Ho. Oh, all right. So if you want to call that up, I would suggest uh, the one by the Sandpipers. But Don Ho's cool. He's on the beat on the on Brady Bunch, after all, right? <laughs> <laughs> one episode. It's a beautiful song. It's just Guantanamera. Famous producer Tommy Lupuma took care of those duties. He also worked with Barbara Streisand, Miles Davis, Crusaders, George Benson, Natalie Cole, Paul McCartney, just to name a few. So you see where his music was kind of going. Yeah, yeah. So Tommy was born in Cleveland. I. I do remember that, yes. Good long career. And, the, you know, the Guantanamera is a, a really kind of a neat song, neat little song. It is. Um, I like it a lot. And uh, yeah. Especially since you don't run into it that often. So no. when you do, it's, it's fun to hear. Cool tune. Look it up sometime if you mm-hmm. want on uh, YouTube or just take a listen to it right now. Sincero, de donde crece la palma? Yo soy un hombre sincero, de donde crece la palma? Antes de morir me quiero echarme estarzos de la Soul. My poems are soft green, 
My poems oh. are all... Sandpipers, Guantanamera. You got it. Who do you have? And keeping in, in spirit with my um, movie soundtracks, this is called Something for the Cat by Henry Mancini. What kind of song title is that, you may be thinking? Well, let me explain. I've always been a fan of the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's, which, of course, features Audrey Hepburn. Which is a beautiful flower. And one of the most important scenes of the movie is the big party at Holly's. That's Audrey's character. Holly Golightly. Right. Throws at her apartment. Your local rock expert, of course, is always listening for new music, and even if it's in a soundtrack of a movie. And so I kept hearing this great little jazz tune with a bossa nova beat in the background round of that scene. And of course, the problem was how to listen to that piece of music. Was it even a song? And if so, what was its name? Before music services, the only thing I, I could have done is buy the soundtrack and hope, <laughs> <laughs> which was not really a good option. It wasn't until YouTube came along, where seemingly every piece of music is posted, that I was able to go through the soundtrack and until I found something for the cat. And, fortunately for me, it's a full song done by the Henry Mancini Orchestra. The song is even better than I had imagined, with a beautiful muted trumpet section, a fantastic lead-in to the solos, which are performed on trombone and flute. Finally, I found out that I wasn't the only fan of the soundtrack. Henry Mancini won the Oscar for Best Original Score, and the album not only went to number one, it stayed on the charts for 90 weeks. And that's a whole lot of something for the cat. (laughs) (laughs) Not the cat in the hat. No. You know, Breakfast at Tiffany's, that's a good movie. Excellent movie. And Audrey Hepburn, great actress. Right, right. George Pappard's in there. George Pappard. Patricia Patricia Neal. Yeah. Good stuff. Good one. A couple more guilty pleasures. Guilty pleasures. Next week. (laughs) 
one-hit wonder time, Frankie. We're expanding our search of number one, or not number one, but one-hit wonders. Going to go back to 1966 for this one. This song, I had to dig deep in. <laughs> I didn't have it in my vast file. It's called Psychotic Reaction by The Count Five. And that's a neat one, too, yeah. Speaking of five, it went up to number five in mm-hmm. 1966. Do you know this song? Do you remember this I song? I do. I remember this song, and uh, it's it's one of those songs that, they must have pasted it together because the tempos are all over the place. But it's a fun little little rock number, and if you hear it, you know, once, you'll like it, but you don't need to hear it again. <laughs> it's put together by a quintet of garage rockers. Exactly, uh, yes. Teenagers from San, o- San Jose in 1964. Mm-hmm. Maybe they would have been better off creating, I don't know, YouTube or Facebook <laughs> or Google or something that's out there now. Lead singer John Mouse Mikulski actually hailed from Cleveland. Oh. Did you know that? I did not know that. The song was born out of a couple of different influences, including the Yardbirds. I've never heard that since, you know, Cleveland usually takes credit for everything, right? Maybe they didn't know. Maybe. The band was rejected by several labels, imagine that, (laughs) before signing with LA-based Double Shot Records. Yeah. Psychotic Reaction was the title cut to their only studio album. The band disbanded in 1969. Their follow-up to Psychotic Reaction was called Peace of Mind, which is like the total opposite. Also came out in 66, yet failed to crack the Hot 100. Hard to believe. Psychotic reaction by the Count Five. You know, we talked about some that we can't believe that they were they were one-hit wonders because they're so good. That one is the opposite of that. You can totally believe that that was just kind of pasted together yeah. in the studio. They came up with one good idea, and that was it. They came, <laughs> and they went. Cover versus cover is up next. We have yeah. a good one. 
Cover versus cover. We've been finding some good ones, Frankie. This one is Stevie Wonder versus Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yes, Superstition. Yeah, good one. Um, now, 17, 1972 on the singles charts was a kind of a quiet affair. The Carpenters, Bread, Roberta Flack, yeah. Gilbert O'Sullivan were in no danger of rocking us into the night. And so late in the year, uh, when Wonder's Little Gem hit the top 40, it was a breath of fresh air. And it's basically a one-man band with Stevie playing everything except the horn parts. And rightly so, it would be the first number one for the new topical Stevie Wonder, who is all grown up and ready to tackle the issues of the day.
it might seem odd that um, a guitar hero like Stevie Ray Vaughan would tackle the song until you discover that another guitar hero, Jeff Beck, actually helped Wonder write the song by coming up with that opening drum beat and playing drums on the demo. I like Vaughn's rendition, and although it doesn't quite swing like Wonder's, it sure rocks. And of course, there's a great guitar solo that wraps things up just right. But maybe it sounds just a little too much like a standard Stevie Ray reading. So it's a close call, but I'll stick with the original Stevie Wonder version, which was truly a harbinger of some incredible music to come. To come, and his first number one for Stevie in 10 years. Yes, Brooke ex- exactly. There are a lot of good tunes in the meantime, but uh, that was the first one he had to top the charts, and then he was off to the races after that. Yeah, after that, it was just one number one after number <laughs> one, and just great albums and yeah, Grammy Awards and everything. Everything, yeah. I like Stevie Ray Vaughan. Uh, like, I wish she had branched out a little bit. You were saying, you know, yes. before we went on to uh, start recording, you know, maybe not a, a ballad or something, but I mean, even Joe Cocker had "You Are So Beautiful" oh, kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. Foreigner, Kiss, you know, some songs that just kind of sound different. Exactly. I would have liked something that kind of broke the mold. Yes. So he and George Thorogood, when they both come on the air, they can't play them back-to-back because you know exactly what you're going to get and who it is. Exactly. Coming up next is, did the Grammys get it right? We're going to have Record of the Year 1975. Oh, boy. Frankie, in our continuing series, did the Grammys get it right? We're looking at the Record of the Year from 1975. Of course, the show would air in 1976. This goes to the producer... And here are the nominees in alphabetical order. You tell me which one. Sure. One. At 17, Janicean, love that song. Love Will Keep Us Together, Captain and Tennille. Lion Eyes by the Eagles, that's a good one. Had like 17 verses or something. <laughs> Manilow sang Mandy. And Glenn Campbell, Rhinestone Cowboy. Which one do you think won? Wow. Um, and a, I was thinking there'd be some rock records, and sadly there are no rock records here. These are all pretty much uh, middle of the road, ballads, that kind of thing. Boy, it comes down to two. It had to be either Love Will Keep Us Together or Rhinestone Cowboy. Eh, Rhinestone Cowboy was huge. I'm going to go with that. You should have gone with Love Will Keep Ah! Us Together. (laughs) Yeah, because that was the number one song from the year, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And your guilty pleasure. It was, it was. Daryl Dragon, of course, the captain, he produced it, so he took home the Grammy. Yeah. For love will keep us together. Wow, the captain. The captain. <laughs> I wonder if he had his hat on. Well, that would make him the, uh, he wouldn't be the captain now. <laughs> exactly. He had to have his hat.
All right, Frankie, little known recording artist, big contribution this yes. week uh, I will do. It's uh, Jimmy McCullough. He played guitar. You know, Scottish born guitarist for Wings in the 70s. That's where also I thought I heard of him. Yeah. Yes. Also a member of Thunderclap, Thunderclap Newman. You know, that was mm. the Pete Townsend. Kind of a one off there. Yeah, yeah. Something in the air in 1969. He joined Wings for the Venus and Mars album in 1975. Good choice. Along with drummer Jeff Britton. He also played guitar on Wings at the Speed of Sound a year later and took part in that huge tour. Oh, yeah, the, the Wings Over America album, Wings tour. Over America That's tour. neat, yeah. So, you know, he died at age 26 years old. Are you serious? Yeah, tragically, he would die of um, heart failure due to morphine and alcohol poisoning. Oh, no. In 1979, he was only 26 years old. I was going to say, he had it, it had to be right, basically right after, because... He, so 26. 26, I mean, geez. He was just getting started. And he was just getting started. He wanted he to probably uh, had a lot of great things in him, and yeah, he probably he wanted to leave uh, Wings, probably because he didn't want to do another tour. <laughs> <laughs> that was a '66 date tour. Yeah, um, so he went to join uh, the reformed Small Faces in 1977. Oh, okay, yeah. A couple yeah. years later, his life would tragically come to an end because of um, all the overdoses and far abuse too in his early. Body. Yeah. But Jimmy McCullough, guitarist, good one too. Yeah, and I thought I had heard of him uh, because of Wings. Yeah, I, I thought I remembered that name, and so yeah, boy, I didn't realize that he passed away so early. What a sad thing. I mean, he was doing those Wings record when he was like twenty-two. Yeah, that's incredible. That is amazing. It's yeah, just playing amazing. with Paul McCartney. I'm twenty-two. Yeah, I'm sure somebody <laughs> like somebody like Billy Preston or something, somebody like that would turn him on to Paul McCartney. Right, or exactly. The other way around. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. Paul was was good at finding, identifying talent. Sure. So uh, it's a really sad story. But I keep this in mind, Venus and Mars, one of my favorite albums. Oh, absolutely. And there's a lot of good stuff on there. There or something sure is. Our, our newly reformed favorite cut from our favorite albums that's coming up starting in season 10. Yeah. going to answer three questions we're getting down to the nitty-gritty here frankie yes sir best year in rock countdown it's been fun hasn't it 
It has been. Um, and it's only getting better. Getting <laughs> we better. got the last two. Year by year, this is number two on your list. Who do you right. have? And so uh, you'll know what number one is if you've been keeping track at home. But number two is As I always do, I check when the Beatles and what a year it was. The Beatles themselves released those red and blue greatest hits packages. Paul had Red Rose Speedway with a number one, My Love, and Band on the Run. George with Living in the Material World and the number one, Give Me Love. And Ringo had Ringo with the number one photograph. The only dude that didn't have a number one record that year was John, who... Put out mind games. Elton was hotter than ever with Don't Shoot Me, I'm Only the Piano Player and Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. On the same day in March, Dark Side of the Moon and A Wizard, a True Star by Todd Rundgren. Think about that. And then the next day, so you can spend all your money at the record store, was ELO 2 and The Captain and Me by the Doobie Brothers. Wow, what a, what a couple of days. We also had Houses of the Holy by Led Zeppelin, Billion Dollar Babies by Alice Cooper, Desperado, of course, the Cowboy album, Aladdin Sane by Bowie, there goes Ryman Paul Simon, Simon. Tubular Bells, which was the hit of all parties back in 1973. Yeah. You'll have to creepy take creepy movie. You'll have to take my word <laughs> for it. That was the music from The Exorcist. Yes. Chicago Six was huge. The Smoker You Drink, The Player You Get by Joe Walsh. Or an American Band, the number one album and single by Grand Funk. Countdown to Ecstasy by Steely Dan. Inner Visions, we've talked about that by Stevie Wonder. Let's Get It On by uh, Marvin Gaye. Goat's Head Soup had the number one Angie. Moon Tan by Golden Earring. Brothers and Sisters was the Allman Brothers. The Joker. Steve Miller, Quadrophenia by The Who, Piano Man by Billy Joel, The Wild, The Innocent, The E Street Shuffle 
by our buddy Bruce. Brain Salad Surgery by ELP. Riding the Storm Out, REO Speedwagon. Local Hero, Friends and Legends by Michael Stanley. Debuts that year were incredible. We had Bachman Turner Overdrive, The Marshall Tucker Band, Queen, 10CC, pronounced Leonard Skinnerd, The Sweet, <laughs> Show Your Hand, that's AWB, Ring Ring by ABBA, Susie Quattro and Barry Manilow. Manilow. But I don't know where you were on January 5th, 1973. We were probably getting ready to go back to Lakewood Schools after our break. Columbia released two debut albums on that day, Aerosmith and Greetings from Asbury Park. Wow, that's amazing. Think of how many records that led to. The number two year in rock. Number two, 73. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That only leaves us with one. And so, keeping score at home, you probably figured out what number was. one mm. is, but we'll tell you next week. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what it's going to be because I haven't been keeping track. <laughs> I do know 73 was an excellent year. Yeah, it was. It was just Wonderful year tremendous music. stuff yeah. and some great debuts. And oh, I mean, yeah. yeah. Boy. That's why I think the 70s were the best yeah, absolutely. of you. And a lot of people would agree. Some might not, especially the younger Oh, absolutely. Set, yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of people think that, the, you know, Taylor Swift is the end, be all, end all yeah. of music. And, you know, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be hard pressed to find a list like that. Exactly. And that's, if you want to start a record collection with those song, those albums that you mentioned. Right, exactly. Sh- just, just you got twenty five good ones right exactly. there. Exactly, you can sit and listen for literally days. Yeah, <laughs> nineteen seventy three. Absolutely. Okay. Question number two: Best song by William Martin Joel. That's his yeah, given name. Yeah, that's by the a, way. always Joel. a hard one with these. Uh, a lot of people don't like this song, but I really like Allentown. I know people make fun of it sometimes, but 
I like it. It's kind of one of those things I think, you know, Springsteen could have done. of a fraternity brother who brought back this record after the summer and played it nonstop. You know, it's one of those, sometimes you get sick of hearing a song over. Yeah. I actually started to like it after a while. Yeah, I like it too. <laughs> but my favorite, and this, this is uh, probably not one very many people know, but it's called A Big Man on Mulberry Street from the Bridge album. And it's kind of sounds like something like 40s, 50s Frank Sinatra would do. I thought for the longest time that it was a cover until I discovered, no, Billy wrote it. He sang it. It's all him. Wow. But it's great to him. You better believe <laughs> He's it. our featured artist that's coming up next after Frankie answers the third question. What was yes. the best album from 1980? D- doing this for every year, it's, it's really tough. Um, one of the most depressing albums in history was Peter Gabriel's Melt. Um, great live album, One for the Road from the Kinks. 
But my probably my favorite uh, was the absolutely completely different Remain in Light by the Talking Heads. <laughs> That's a good one. It's criminal that there's somebody not out there touring behind that music. I mm-hmm. would, I would go tomorrow to see a, a, a concert yeah. with that music. Yeah. Featured artist time, Frankie. We did Billy Joel way back when, I guess season one or two or something like that. But I wanted to get to him because pretty soon we're going to be kind of flipping the page, flipping the switch a little bit. And uh, talking about years, when we start season 10 Mm -hmm. in early December, it's going to be 1967. We're going to talk all about 67 (laughs) and, you know, what was going on in their popular culture and sports and stuff like that. Sure. Play a little music in there, too, from some of the top artists of 67. there were a lot. Talk about the number ones and uh, some wanted wonders and... You know, maybe some debuting artists from 67 or some we didn't hear from. Sure. Why didn't we hear from Elvis or something like that? So we want to finish up our fresh look at some of our favorite artists of the past uh, few uh, seasons. So this one is William Martin Joel. (sighs) Great stuff. Born in May of 1949 in the Bronx, moved to Long Island at the age of one, reluctantly started playing piano at age four. (laughs) So he was actually Billy Joel. So he was. He, he didn't change anything. Kind of like I, like, I like that. Yeah. I like that. From 1971 to 93, Billy released 12 studio albums in that span. He sold over 160 million records. He's written 33 <laughs> top 40 hits in the wow. U.S. alone. That's incredible. And that all ended in 1993 with the album River of Dreams. He said, that's it. I'm tired of the music industry. I'm not writing any more popular stuff. This is my last Go around. And maybe one of the smartest moves in rock history because we didn't have to listen to five eh albums yeah. after that. Yeah, agreed. He left when he was in the top of his game, yeah. when rock was still rock, and, you know, he does. we don't have to listen to ten, you know, bad Billy Joel albums yeah. as 
This is my comeback. I'm coming yeah. back. And no. No comeback albums no, in 1999 no. or 2004 exactly. or whatever. Yes. However, he hasn't disappeared from the map. He's oh, absolutely not. He's like still crazy. playing that music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's nominated or was for 23 Grammy Awards. Oh, jeez. Won six of them. Wow. Including Album of the Year for 52nd Street. Not one of That's your right. favorites, or is it? Glass Houses wasn't. A no, Glass Houses was, was definitely not, but the 52nd Street's pretty good. It's good, yeah. 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 Cited his influences, Elvis, Everly Brothers, and the Beatles after seeing them perform on Elvis. Oh, of course. (laughs) Rock Hall inductee 1999. Get this, though. Ray Charles inducted him. What an interesting choice. Yeah. But, you know, both piano players, and Mm -hmm. they both have that feel for the audience that, you know, they were both great live performers. Oh, Billy Joel's just phenomenal in concert. Still is. Songwriters Hall of Fame, Billy, 1992. Mm-hmm. Kennedy Center honoree in 2013. He had that famous tour of the Soviet Union in 1987. Right. They were kind of relaxing some of their standards at the time. Also toured with Elton John for a long, long time and was just in Columbus this past summer with Stevie Nicks. Yeah, that's I mean, he's, they've done some incredible touring, like you said, with Elton John and Stevie Nicks. Um, boy, what terrific pairings those are. Yeah. <laughs>
know, he announced this past June that his long-running residency at the Madison Square Garden was going to be ending next June, mm-hmm. 2024. He didn't say it's done, I'm done right now. <laughs> He's going to do it until June of next year. He's performed there for over 150 shows. Yeah, I think he, like, owns the place or something. Yeah. I think, I think you know, he has keys to <laughs> He doesn't have to go far since he lives, what, in Massapequa or something like right, that. Right, right. He is definitely a New York guy. Yeah, I, New York state of mind. <laughs> did you ever, you said you haven't seen him? No, I never did see him, and it wasn't because I didn't like him or anything like yeah. that. I just never got never around to it. It was just one of those things. I should have, but eh, it happens. Seventy, what five years old? I was gonna say, how, how old yeah. is he? He's probably seventy-four. I would say seventy-four. Yeah. 70. He's, he and Springsteen, I think, are about the same age. Yeah, so, yeah. And I don't see any end in sight for his touring. And they both love to tour, they <laughs> and do. they're both doing and it. They're yes, both good at absolutely. it too. Absolutely. Cold Spring Harbor is where it all began for him in nineteen seventy-one. Sure. You know, you want to get your hands on some good stuff. Get that one, Piano Man seventy-four. Right. Street Life Serenade. We play that all the time. When we were at OU, featuring Root Beer Rag, just an instrumental, and really shows off his tremendous piano playing ability. For a guy who didn't want to play piano <laughs> and is classic, classically trained, you want to hear a good tune? It's Root Beer Rag from Street Life Serenade 75. Turnstile 76. Sure. And, you know, kind of like. And he was just ready to, ready to break. You could tell break. the talent was there. Kind of the, like Genesis, you know, they kept putting out an album. They kept at it every year. And sure. when you do that, your songwriting gets better. It gets better. Your musicianship gets better. Your product, the whole thing gets better. And I think at a certain point, you also get to know what is commercial and what isn't. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge thing. Yeah. Yeah. And by then, you've long ago put aside, I'm just going to be a cover artist and play <laughs> the local Holiday Inn or something. Right, you know, right. Of course, he was the piano man. Under the name, what was his name? Bill Martin or something. <laughs> yeah. And he's actually a, a lounge piano player. Right. So that's a, right. a, a true story. The Stranger, great album. Yeah. You know, Frankie, that came out in 1977. It's 11-time platinum. Yeah, and I remember I was in college at the time, and I started hearing it on the mm-hmm. radio, and I 
you know, I knew a little bit. I knew the entertainer, of course, because uh, my fraternity brother had played yeah. that into. But I really didn't know much about him. And that boy, that was just an excellent album. Yeah, a lot of fun tunes. Uh, although a, a couple that you don't care for, but, <laughs> <laughs> but there are a couple I do like. Oh, like absolutely. Vienna. Yes. The title cut, of course. Scenes mm-hmm. from Italian restaurants. Yes, yes. Of course, just the way you are, overplayed. But and so is Piano Man. But geez, you just kind of go and start from the beginning. We used to do that. Where would you start a record collection? For Billy Joel, you could start anywhere and go backwards or forwards or just right, start at the beginning right. if you wanted to. And I think what really shows his talent is that he made some songs like Piano Man, like Just the Way You Are, that are literally standards. They're mm-hmm. not just great songs and or great hits. They're standards now. Yeah. Yeah. It'll go down as all time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Followed up a year later with 52nd Street, the Grammy for Album of the Year and Best Vocal Performance by a Male, seven time platinum. Great. Sure. And Rosalinda's Eyes and mm-hmm. Stiletto, Big Shot. Man, I love those songs. <laughs> Glass Houses, 1980. Not a big fan of, for you, but I really like the album because it just reminded me of sophomore year in college right right things were starting to happen back it then. was a little bit more punk a little more attitude yeah yeah yep. that was a number one in the u.s again again a seven-time platinum and another grammy award for best performance by male he released five singles from that album sure you may be right and still rock and roll to me we're just a couple of them and of course don't ask me why his homage <laughs> to paul mccartney <laughs> Songs in the Attic, that was a collection of cuts recorded at different venues, smaller venues. Yeah, like I remember when that came and, out, sure. And uh, like Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and Washington, D.C., Boston, featuring like Say Goodbye to Hollywood, and She's Got Away. Yeah, stuff that people might have missed early on. Yes. Sure, yeah, mm-hmm. kind of revisited those songs. The Nylon Curtain had Allentown on it. Yes. You know, Springsteen kind of had that with uh, My Hometown. Exactly, yeah. Took and through. they remind, reminded me a lot of a Springsteen tune. Mm-hmm. And uh, just kind of a fun tune. It, it, yeah. You know, it's not going to be a standard ever, but it's it's a fun tune. And you still hear it today. Yeah, absolutely. Also on that album, Pressure and Goodnight Saigon. That's right, yes. So then in 1984, An Innocent Man, The Longest Time, Tell Her About Her, by then, tell her about it, rather. Uptown Girl was out. By then, he was dating or married to Christy... Jeez, um, what was her name? Christy, Christy Brinkley, Brinkley, yeah. And and he had become uh, a an MTV star. He was yep. now not just a, a star in music. He was, you know, they were playing his videos one after another. They were. <laughs> garnered another couple of Grammy nominations this time. Another seven-time platinum... His Greatest Hits, Volume 1 and 2, came out in 85. Right. Which of course, I have all these albums. <laughs> the Bridge, the last to have Phil Ramone yeah. producing. Mm-hmm. That had Modern Woman, and This Is The Time, and of right. course, and your of course, favorite. Big Man on Mulberry Street. <laughs> Stormfront, We Didn't Start the Fire, I Go to Extremes, and So It Goes. Right. Seven singles were released from that oh album. My God. Frankie, four-time platinum album, nominated for five Grammy Awards. Oh, Stormfront, good album cover, too. Yeah. River of Dreams, August 93. Speaking of album covers, that was designed by Christy Brinkley at the time. Of, he was They were still married. Right. And his last studio album with the new lyrics. So that was it for new albums with lyrics and pop singer Billy Joel. He, I think he released something classical a few years later or something like that. But mm-hmm. nice to see that he didn't just vanish from the whole music industry. Right. And, I, and with River of Dreams, he actually... Um, I mean, my daughter knows that record 
I mean, he, he went to the next generation. He moved on yeah. to a whole different generation that started to know his music, and that's kind of cool. not talked about yet frankie just will not allow me to do it <laughs> rush next week rush Getty yes. lee and the guys yes what do you think i'm i'm more than willing to i'm talk game about rush yeah and absolutely. then we're going to finish up season nine with pink floyd i can't believe you're doing it but <laughs> i'm i'm glad because yeah there's a lot to talk about there and uh, some of it's good and some of it's bad but yeah. that's that's how it is for everyone right that's right and don't forget our big third anniversary show comes up three weeks from today going to talk all about what we've done the first nine seasons it's going to be a lot of fun yeah it is season 10 begins first week of december and on christmas day the big christmas show nice play all christmas music and it's not only going to be all rock and roll and stuff like that we'll play whatever we want to play yeah it's our podcast right frankie that's right and thanks so much for listening (laughs) to uh Tim Friedman's 70s Rock Conversations. Thanks for joining me, Frankie. Hey, thanks for having me. Rush will be our featured artist next week as we start looking ahead towards Season 10 as we conclude Season 9. This is Tim Friedman, 70s Rock Conversations. Have a good week. See you next time.